0: So welcome to episode three of Amperitif podcast, which is a podcast for cocktails and conversation. Um, I don't know if I've explained this. Um, uh, I'll get into my host uh, in a little bit, but um, the the name of the podcast Amperitif, is a play on the word apéritif, uh, and um, uh, of course, apéritif is a uh, a cocktail that you have before a meal typically to uh, kind of as an appetizer. And so I kind of think of this a little bit like that. It's an appetizer. We're getting to know our guest uh, with the idea that maybe that generates some interest. But um, ultimately, it's, uh, it's uh, a conversation about our guest and uh, their passion, their careers, uh, their endeavor to follow their dreams in, in a way, uh, but also really pursue that passion. So... Um, so that's a little bit of what is the podcast. Um, eventually, I'll get that figured out so that I can explain it more succinctly. I'm still kind of working on my... Uh, yeah,
1: your 30-second uh, your introduction. Yeah, yeah, yep. right. Yep. Yeah,
0: so I'm um, not there yet. That's okay. Um, uh, in the future, perhaps, we'll record a, a a few different options and just edit that in yes. to the beginning of all the episodes. A uh, nifty which, introduction. which Which will be fine, so... But again, episode three today, and uh, my guest is Billy Brant.
1: That is me. Yeah.
0: So hello, uh, hello Billy. There's <laughs> Billy. <laughs> so, um, and uh, we're going to get to know Billy in a little bit. But the first segment of the podcast, as always, we're going to uh, enjoy a cocktail together. And so I see uh, Edo walking around here. He didn't hear me, but uh, he is the bartender here. We're on location for episode three. In uh, Tallinn, Estonia.
1: Yes, great so, place to be.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get into that more too uh, in a little bit. But um, before we do, we uh, again uh, start the show with a cocktail. And so I'm going to see if I can track Edo down. And uh, he is going to make us a cocktail. Um, so uh, typically on the, on the show, I make the cocktails. And uh, so today we're going to have Edo make the cocktails and uh, But I'm going to just describe it to you briefly. I'm
1: excited about this. This sounds very interesting.
0: Yeah, so this cocktail was inspired by Billy, or I guess in another way, kind of by the trip,
1: really, mm. in, in many ways. Mm. Um,
0: w- when I was uh, working with uh, my uh, mixologist, Lulu, uh, so Lulu, if you don't know, is the Imperative podcast uh, mixologist... And uh, she crafts all the cocktails for us. And I was kind of describing a little bit about the trip. And uh, I gave her a bunch of links to you and a little bit of background on our guest, uh, Billy Brandt. And um, so she came up with really something that was inspired by our, our trip to, uh, to the Baltics. Um, so it starts off with some bourbon, which is actually an American uh, beverage. So kind of of the whiskey variety Um, but Americanized with corn as the primary ingredient. So that's kind of a a nod to our our homeland, if you will. Uh, And then uh, a little bit of cherry syrup, something just sweet, Um, lemon juice, and then it's topped off with a local lager. Um, And so when I see beer in a cocktail, I immediately get suspicious. (laughs) Um, So this is going to be interesting.
1: Well, I'll have you know I've been described in many worse ways, so. This is <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so anyway, we have something uh, from you know America, where we're from, and we have, uh, of course, the logger uh, from Estonia, where we happen to be right now. Perfect. So, with that, um, we're gonna take a, a bit of a pause here. I think I'm looking around to see if uh, I see
1: your main man standing behind he, the bar. So, oh, he's, is he back there? Oh, he's he's making another drink. All right. Perfect.
0: So, um, typically, we um, we both get to enjoy this drink for the first time together. Um, you know, sort of experiencing it at the same time. But uh, I needed to make sure this was going to work out, and so Ero actually made one of these already for me. Um, Good, which I enjoyed. Good,
1: <laughs> a little pregame. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, but uh, we'll. Uh, um, I'll, I'll save my. My opinions, uh, Please, uh, sure. Uh, until we get into it, it's um, uh, it, and for what it's worth, uh, it, you don't have to like it. <laughs> it's not a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, be honest when uh, when we try this out. So and then uh, before I forget, we we're going to try to come up with a name for for the drink. Oh sure. So uh, so because this is a. A brand-new cocktail, so we're going to name it, uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk through that in a bit. So, all right, Arrow has some other guests, but I'm going to take this opportunity to jump up there. All right, so I'm I'm going to try to maximize time here. Uh, We've got Arrow making the drinks, and uh, and, uh, Ero, I think, is how we pronounce it, E-E-R-O. Okay. Um, So... In any case, uh, he's going to make those drinks, and he'll, he'll drop them off when we get a chance. So while we're waiting for the cocktails, why don't we talk a little bit, you know, kind of the setup here. So um, how do I know Billy? Like, we know each other. Billy is uh, not new to me, uh, but uh, we, we are connected in a number of different ways, actually. Um, and so one of those connections is that uh, Billy is engaged to my niece. And so you guys are getting married In just a few short weeks, actually.
1: Yes, I think it's 33 days from when the airplane touches down back in the States. 33. Something like that, yeah, 32, 33.
0: Yeah, yeah, not not that you're counting.
1: No, not that I'm counting. Although she seems to have a countdown on her phone, which, you know, that's... Does you she know. really? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah.
0: not uncommon, I think, for
1: well, certainly not worrying. You know, she's counting down the days till she's stuck with me. So it's <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, I think that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Before I okay. ruined her life. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, that's one of several ways, um, and uh, also uh, my daughter sings in a a girl choir, Badger State Girl Choir. Correct. And uh, Billy is. Let me see if I get this right. The, uh, music literacy yep. director.
1: Yep, yeah, Yep. Yeah. One of the people that does the music literacy program for the Badger Girl Choir.
0: Yeah. Very good. Um, and so then I'm trying to think, I feel like there should be another way or two that, that we know each other, but,
1: um, we both share fantastic hairdos. Uh, we're both good looking. Th- these are you know, things we
0: certainly have in common th-
1: connections for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Connections. Um, I'm I'm going to throw a connection like totally out of the blue at you, okay? Just to see like what you make of this. So, um uh, there there's a there's a person from your past that is the daughter of my wife's coworker. So that Ooh. that's a little bit of a stretch in okay. terms of connections. But, I'll take it though. But the connections are there, and I didn't know if you if you if you knew uh, about this connection, does this sound at all familiar?
1: Uh, no, no, it does not. Although I, I would be interested to uh, to know who we we're speaking about, just because you know, there's so many people that uh, that could be
0: that, it could, that, be that be it could be anyway could
1: be it could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. So
0: and and I kind of wondered if you knew this connection was there. Uh, I thought you might not. Um, and so that person's Johanna.
1: Oh, is that so? That is so. Um, huh. What a tiny world we live in. Isn't huh? it
0: really something? Yeah. Yeah, so that's we're we're not gonna spend any time on that, but it's another just kind of an interesting connection that you know that we have. That yeah,
1: leave the people listening really wondering, wow, what did, you know, who could that <laughs> who could that person be? They're yeah. painting a mental picture now.
0: Right, right, yeah. So we're just gonna leave it there. We don't yeah. need to go into it. Um so uh, all right, but anyway, again, this is cocktails and conversation, um, but it's about it's about passion and so What I've kind of my vision for this show is to bring people onto the show who have followed their passion for music Mm. or entertainment in some way, and just kind of hear their story. Uh, And so I'm I'm curious about a few things um, when I think about Billy Brand. I uh, I'm curious about how you go from being a professional gamer to uh, a composer of bell choir music. And then, of course, there's many other musical things. Uh, 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 I think a, a band director, a music director at, uh, at a high school, uh, a, a bell choir uh, director as well as a composer. Yeah. Also uh, an author. Yep. And let's see, uh, there are some other things. That, a musician, right? You're, oh, you're for sure. out there Absolutely. performing and entertaining folks. So, um, But obviously all of that, centered around uh, a passion for music uh, with the exception of the gaming thing, like from gaming to music. I'm sure there's some very interesting tie in there. Um, But anyway, so that's what I'm a little bit curious about. I'm also, if if there's something on your your mind, like I really like to talk about this thing, uh, I'd like to get into that. Um, And I'll start with this question. And that is um, when you think about your identity when you introduce yourself to people, which of those do you do you go with? Like, what's your and that's who are a, you? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a
1: really strong question. I think these are our drinks coming now. This ah. is fantastic.
0: All right, excellent. Thank you so much, Errol. Thank you. All right, so um, I'm gonna see if I can do this. I, I usually like to, to, to take a like a good picture of the drink. There you go. Um so we'll just we'll just clip this out later on for uh I don't know, Instagram and all the other social media platforms and, and the blog that, that will include the recipe and all of that. So um hopefully that is a decent shall enough we, shot.
1: Shall we toast for our We shall. Fun journey we've had so far together? Indeed. I don't know why I've got a straw here, but a toast,
0: yeah. All right, we're we're gonna get the first impressions.
1: Mm. You know what this feels like? This feels exactly how I feel right before I conduct a concert. <laughs> this, is, All right. this is the exact description of me moments before conducting a, a concert opener.
0: So uh, maybe a little salty? I'm not sure.
1: Uh, no. Um, many things going on none of them exactly clear, but all of them having their place. Ah. So, you know, I often tell people that before a concert, I'm I'm an absolute wreck, not because I'm nervous for the thing that I'm about to do, but because there's always this excitement of, you know, you've done all this preparation work, the people that you're there with have done all this preparatory work, the audience is there, it's time to go. There's that excitement energy about it. And as a conductor, I'm always going over the thing, you know, Gosh, I hope I get that cut off right. I really hope that they watch me for this musical moment. I really hope we make this transition well. All of those things you start thinking about uh, to, to make sure you have a great performance. But then, the moment that light hits me, or that applause starts, or you know, when the, the, the impetus of the concert beginning, all of that goes away. I'm the most calm person ever on the podium, much more than many of my colleagues. And I think this is described as the the pregame to stepping on the podium, because it's 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 a lot of things going on, all of them robust uh, and and mixed together. Not necessarily going together, but all having their distinct place. So. Interesting.
0: Well, that was a, a very profound description after one sip of this cocktail. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm impressed.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, because you wouldn't think lager would be able to outdo... Uh, bourbon and such but it it finds a way yeah it it digs deep
0: you know it's it's certainly there yeah the 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 taste is unmistakable um but i was surprised that i didn't hate it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's also i think the color of it leads me to believe something different than what i'm tasting oh yeah certainly yeah yeah i was expecting um something a little fruitier almost maybe or, or you know light and airy and this is not light or airy
0: yeah, so um, on that front, we we it called the, the recipe called for a cherry syrup, and so when I asked the bartender, who who speaks very little English, by the way, for cherry syrup, he did he didn't have any. Sure. Um, and so I said, well, how about some grenadine?
1: Well, oh, it's good substitute. So
0: we went with grenadine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, I think that's the illusion that we're seeing here. The grenadine is a really s- you know strong, bright red that mm. that's, you know. Um, you know giving the drink its color, but uh, uh, m- maybe misleading the eye a bit.
1: yeah, yeah, I think if I were to name this, I would name this simply the conductor 's mind the conductor's mind this is exactly right. what what, uh, what you think about <laughs> if you 're trying to dive inside the mind of a ensemble conductor
0: all right so uh, going back to the question then is that Oh sure yeah, so conductor, is that how you do You, you know,
1: over- it's interesting because it, many different people will introduce you in many different ways, right? So, for example, if I'm over here doing the festival I, like we have been doing, I'll be introduced as uh, ensemble director, right? The director of the mm-hmm. Spirit Bells. Yep. If I'm doing something maybe uh, based around a, a book or maybe it's an article, I'll be talked about as uh, maybe an author in some sort of way. If you read my bio, it usually just says American Music Educator or Music Educator, Mm -hmm. some version of that. Because I think the whole heart of all the things that I do are based around my love for educating, right? That idea Mm -hmm. of taking someone else and giving them that enriched experience, um, I think that would be my leading thing. I introduce myself as an educator, first and foremost. All right, That's who I am.
0: And so when you think about who you wanted to be, you know, as a, as a uh, young person, um, maybe going into college, was music educator the goal or you just knew you loved music and you wanted to end up, you know, doing something with
1: music? Yeah, that journey is a really long one and it, it takes a lot of places because I'm the only musical person in my family. Everybody else in my family is helplessly musicless. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't keep a beat if you held a gun to their head. I once, you know, watched some of my family members I'd make the attempt to play musical instruments and knew at a very young age, ooh, that's not it. You know, so I am the only one that has the musical bug, as it were. That, that's interesting
0: to me. I feel like, you know, maybe all of the the like the, the genetics that make up the music somehow sort of settled into your genes.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and I'm very, very blessed because I have parents that although they are completely musically inept, they were willing to help me in my want to do music. So at first I started with guitar lessons at age five, right? And, and I did that. And then I picked up uh, drums and percussion after that. So I would take my guitar lesson and then my drum and percussion lesson back to back. Uh, on the days of the week. So, you know, my parents were very, very helpful in saying, this isn't the thing we know anything about, but we will get you to someone that does know something about it. And they were very happy to go ahead and help fund that operation for for many, many years. So I'm really blessed in that respect because they are so helplessly clueless. (laughs) So they were willing to
0: just sign you up for, you know, whatever you had interest in. And, yeah. and just nurture that. Yeah, and yeah, I think,
1: I mean, that's in the end, that's what
0: parents should be doing.
1: Yeah, right? and I mean, it, especially if you think about the mind of a percussionist, it's not a very easy path because it's an, first of all, it's an expense, right? If mm-hmm. your kid's learning the violin, you can go rent the violin from the violin shop for $20 a month. And, you know, it's sort of, if they don't keep with it, whatever. Percussion isn't really that way. You know, if you buy a drum set, now it takes up a whole corner of the house. And if they practice it, well, now it's loud. You know, we used to have earmuffs on the outside of our house on our front porch. <laughs> and my parents, when they come home from work, they'd put the earmuffs on and come into their right, own right, home. Right, yeah. They did that for a decade.
0: So my my uh, my daughter, who is in the choir that that you're uh, the, the music literacy director for, um, is also a percussionist. Her drum set is in the attic. Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So... Um, But anyway, so, you know, thinking about, okay, so you always had this natural inclination for music, a natural talent for it, passion for it growing up, uh, which was nurtured by your parents. And then, again, kind of thinking about that path towards how does music become a career for me, um, how how did you find your way into that educator as the sort of the, the main thing, the thing that you know, you sort of closely, most closely identify as.
1: Yeah, career is a tricky one, right? Because when you put musician and career together, you don't get an equal equation.
0: Yeah, not necessarily. So yeah. I remember
1: <laughs> at a young age, I was telling uh, my dad, I actually want to go off to school to be like a, a sound engineer. Oh, Because sure. he was a, a, a sound engineer for a local band. And I thought, wow, well, how cool is that? You get to do something in music. But it's more of the business side of it, right? It's not the musician side. Sure, Yeah. I think every young musician, like, we all want to be... Bon Jovi, name your 80s rock star, right? (laughs) Right, Go around and, you know, your hit songs, your Taylor Swift's or whatever you want to do. Um, But what I found really valuable was more formalized structures of ensembles, ones that have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years, the bands, orchestras, choirs of this Mm -hmm, world. mm -hmm. I found those to be really, really invigorating because there is so much history to them. There is so much lineage, and particularly choir singing. When I was in high school, I remember being in the choir and wanting to do nothing else. Even when I remember when we were in, in the fifth grade, they brought us you know all of the musical instruments that we could look at. We could decide, "Hey, what musical instrument do I want to play?" And I remember very vividly telling the lady, "I don't want to do any of these. I just want to keep singing." because I loved it so much. And then when I got a little older in high school, I realized, this is such an incredible avenue for musical expression. So it was at that time that I started the pursuit of like, okay, I'm not going to go off and be Bon Jovi. It's just not going to happen in all likelihood. Right. Yeah. But this music director thinks pretty cool and it can take you a lot of places and it's a lot of fun. And there is a certain intellectual aspect of it, music making aspect of it that you still get to retain. So I thought, Sure. So yeah. that that was sort of what led me on, okay, let's you and you can make a career out of this. People do it every day. Yeah, you know, there's, you bet. there's high uh-huh. school choir directors all over this planet and they have mortgages, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> my parents were okay with it. They're like, okay, that works yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. You 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 if I were to kind of talk to somebody who was looking at going into music, I, I you know, my my uh, thought process around how do you make a career out of music is sort of like the the, the educator is like a fallback. If nothing else works out, you, you, you could, you know, be a school teacher. <laughs> You know, And that's probably not fair, but, you know, like, that's just being honest in terms of one of but, the ways I think about I'll it. But I'll tell
1: you what, there's a lot of people that take that path. There's a lot of people that end up in conservatory, and they get out, and they can't find the gig at the Philharmonic. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. have their undergrad degree, and there's always a school looking for somebody, and they go teach. And they are abysmal at it. Right. They're terrible mm-hmm. at it yeah. because they have no idea how to do teaching. They can do playing very well. I think that can be helpful for people like me because my whole goal was to be an educator, yeah. which means that I already have an understanding that those people lack and a perspective that those people lack. So mm-hmm. I'm not caught up in the, in the want to be musically successful in and of myself. So it, sure. it, this is to, to say that when the job comes up, they're going to call me before they call that other violinist <laughs> who didn't make it into the Philharmonic and teaches at this middle school.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so um, again, you know, the way we know each other, I, I know you more um, as the guy marrying my niece. Right. But also as uh, a director uh, and uh, digging into your, you know, a little bit of your history to to to. To kind of like prepare for the show, a, an author, uh, you know, a retired professional gamer.
1: I just love how people throw that out there. You know, like like, like that's a, like that's a tidbit. It's sort of like you know, and he was once a D three soccer athlete as, as his alma mater. You know, like. I, that doesn't even make it on the first page of my. It doesn't even make it on my. On bio. your bio, yeah, no, not at all, not at all.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun though. It's interesting. It it's, was, it's unexpected.
1: It was it was an unexpected trip for me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't see that one coming.
0: Yeah. Well, in any case, um, I, I this is this is about passion. Um, so it sounds to me like gaming was not so much a passion. It, it maybe an interest certainly, but it's sort of an accident that you. Into well, I'll tell professional you the whole, side.
1: I could tell you the whole story of that in in three minutes. When I was growing up, my brother is ten years older than I am. Okay. Right. So he was super into video games of all different varieties. You know, the Smash Bros and whatever was on N64, GoldenEye, the 007 game. Like That's what I grew up playing with my sure. brother yeah. um, when I he was forced to spend time with me. So I, you know, <laughs> we were, he wasn't going to do the thing that I wanted to do. You know, the Teletubbies or whatever wasn't all that cool to him anymore.
0: <laughs> he, he didn't want to play the drums or sing in a choir. No,
1: no, no, no. He, he was a teenager You know, by the time I was really able to do anything worthwhile. So what we did is went roller skating and played video games together. Yeah. And I remember getting into competitive you know, first-person shooters and stuff, because that's what he played. So I I was at the lunch table when I was in like high school. And I I got into a bet with a friend of mine about who would be better, you know, him or me. Uh Uh-huh. And so we went home and practiced for seven days. And then we had this sort of duel at my house where we would 1v1 each other. Uh Uh-huh. And I just never stopped practicing. Sure. So uh, you know, and then you know it's sort of one of those things that one thing leads to another, next thing you know, you have a team and now you're on the team and now you've signed a contract and now you're in the gym and now you're playing, you know, you're you're working out because then your 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 mind is better because your body's physically better, and now you're considered an athlete, <laughs> and now you've got some sponsorships for some people, and now you're competing for world championships, and then you win a couple of them, and now it's you know now people expect it out of you and it yeah, it's one of those weird like I, I think really what that is is my inability to sit still and my inability to be content with doing one thing. Sure. I think yeah. that, and, and I'm probably the most competitive person you'll ever meet. And sometimes in the music field, competition doesn't, uh, th- uh, from a sports aspect, a competitive sports thing inside of you doesn't always play well in a music sphere. Because mm-hmm. there's always someone better than you or always someone that does something that isn't like the thing you do. So I think that was just a natural outlet for some real, you know, teenage competition. Sure, sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: But, but uh, you know, retired. So uh,
1: I know. I'm so old, ain't I? I just <laughs> hung it up, <laughs> collect my 401k.
0: But the point is, you decided that wasn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lean into that. Mm. That's not the future for me. That, that was fun for a while you know but really again music educator that's that's my future
1: yeah yeah absolutely music is the yeah it's it's that thing that just made sense mm-hmm. for me and i don't mean from a talent aspect i'm probably the least talented guy you know but it was the thing i was willing to work 30 40 50 60 hours a week on and i didn't get tired of it mm-hmm. you know so i, yeah, I just kept yeah. doing that
0: so it it gave you energy
1: it uh And it still does. I mean, I very vividly remember being in college. People would go out, you know, on weekends and they would go up to their nefarious deeds. They go drinking and partying and and all sorts of things, hanging out with their friends. And I just remember sitting back in my in my room. I actually stayed home for college. So my my own living room. Right. And I would just sit there and spend all day, every day looking over scores, getting my hands on the latest things from, you know, J.W. Pepper's editors choice and going over scores, going to concerts, watching conductors. I watched so many, so much film just on conductors, mm-hmm. just to see what are they doing, how are they doing it, the process of rehearsal for them. I would beg, borrow, and plead my way into rehearsals with band directors, orchestra directors. It didn't have to be <laughs> choir. I just wanted to see how it was that they made the thing work. So while all of my friends were out partying, doing their thing, this was the thing that really invigorated me. It was better than any drink that I ever had in college. I just wanted to know how the secret sauce was made.
0: So for you, it wasn't about sort of being successful or trying to climb any kind of ladder, or it was really just about the, the, the art of the craft of music and, and all of the things that make that what it is and how do you do it better. And
1: Yeah, absolutely. All of us would love to stand on the stage in Helsinki and conduct mm-hmm. a group. We would all love to go to Carnegie. We would all love to do all these great things, but really... I ha- okay, let me sidebar to this. I heard it explained one time by Paul Stanley from the rock band KISS very well. As an artist, if you present a two-hour concert, you've got two really great hours, and they're probably the best hours that you can think of. However, you still have 22 hours of just being you, And like being stuck doing an occupation. For me, if we give an hour-long concert, that's fantastic. And that's a great success. And I love those types of successes. But what really gets me up in the morning is figuring out how I'm going to spend the 8, 10, 12 weeks getting a group to that concert. Mm, That's the thing that really gets me going. I want to figure out why the Sopranos are flat and how I can fix it. I want to figure out why the handbell section, why the battery bells really aren't lining up on this thing. I want to dig into some new idea <laughs> about a warm-up that I want to use it here. And I want to <laughs> I want to t- pull some curriculum from this side. And that's the thing that really gets me invigorated. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so um, it made me think of a conversation I had with uh, a, a member of the group that we're here touring with. Mm. Uh, and, and maybe I won't incriminate that person yet. <laughs> um, but they they were commenting a little bit about directors. And they're like, well, all they do is they just get up there and wave their arms around. But nothing happens when, you know, like... The, the point was they were trying to make was that the music comes from the people. Like, all they're doing is waving their own. and And I thought, well, that's it's sort of a naive perspective. I didn't know how to articulate that at the moment. But everything you just described... Really kind of helped me with okay, yeah. There, there's a lot of work that goes into bringing a group along and getting to that point, and I really have a new appreciation for the um, the guest conductor. And I, I can't remember that's not what they call him. They, they they call him the oh yeah, uh, the artistic
1: director of artistic, the festival. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dr. Eric Johnson.
0: Yeah. So he, you, you working with our group, which is the the Spirit Bells uh, from New London, Wisconsin, had months to get our group ready for a concert. He had at most an hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hour, to, hour and a half. Yeah. To get not just our group, but what, three, four groups to, you know, so, um, I appreciated that. I know, you know, there, there, was some challenges with some confusion and things, but there's just really a lot to try to accomplish in such a short period of time. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just, this experience has given me an appreciation for that, but, Going back to the, you know, more of the, the, the kind of director, I said this to um, I, several months ago when we were rehearsing that uh, I, I just really enjoyed you as a director.
1: Um, well, thank you, first of all.
0: Yeah, yeah, you bet. And uh, so one of the reasons that, that I really enjoy you is, you know, you were able to take the musicality of a piece and maybe what we weren't providing. Or doing, and articulate how you wanted to hear it from us in a way that just made a lot of sense. And you were always very, I'll say, uh, patient with us. There were times when we would descend into chaos, and you just sort of patiently wait and and you know for us to be ready. Uh, and you know that wasn't always uh, easy. I would imagine because you, you know I, if, if I were standing where you were, I'd be impatient. <laughs> um, and I'd be like, "All right, come on, let's go." <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, but uh, y- you were patient with us. Um, you never got angry with us, um, that I recall. I'm sure you were frustrated, but I never sensed that frustration. Uh, and uh, and and again, you, you were able to articulate the musicality of a piece, and even go as far as, you know, we're going to change this. I know it's written that way, but we're going to change this because it worked better for our group, uh, and and maybe just. Overcame a particular challenge that we we're having, and that that sort of insight, I think, was just very. Uh, I was impressed by that.
1: Yeah, I think that ninety percent of the work as a director is before you ever step in front of the group. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking about Dr. Eric Johnson, mm-hmm. if you go look at his score for the piece that we premiered last night, yeah, uh, it's he had a very clear vision of what he was going for before he ever stepped up on the podium. Sure, and that is a distinct skill not a talent Uh you know uh, you can go a long ways with talent but that's a skill and one that I mean I envy he is very very clear in what he wanted and that's something that I attempt to do to the very best of my ability is try to portray the thing that I have in my head and make it work for the people in front of me which is much easier said than done (laughs) in most cases
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, so um, so in any case, the you know the, the the person throwing a little bit of shade, I think, was mostly being tongue in cheek, in you know in in that just sort of poking fun and and not being truly serious.
1: But. Well, and I do it all the time to people. You know, what do you do for? I flap my arms at people, and I hope <laughs> and I hope that they do the thing. I hope they do. Right. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's true to say that the ensemble is the one that makes the music. I'm just the guy there to take the first clap. Right. <laughs> But, of yeah. course, as you dig a little deeper into it, I'm sure you could find, you know, some. I mean, there's a reason they pay me to do it. So I I keep telling people all the time at, at work that, that I'm just pulling the wool over their eyes, really. I mean, they just, they pay me all this money, and I don't really do anything. I just sit around and, and live out my dream, and somehow it pays <laughs> for my house. I would do it whether there was anybody in the room right. or not. I would be there directing the chairs, you know, right. cueing them, no soprano <laughs> chairs. You're way too late on that oh, introduction. Oh, Uh, I would be, that's exactly what I would be doing. That's funny. I've pulled the wool over their eyes, Mike, is really what I've done.
0: Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it that way, but um, (laughs) you're certainly um, helping them find the music. Um, And so if that's kind of what you're thinking about, pulling the wool over their eyes. but um, So maybe we should spend a little bit of time at least telling people why we are in Tallinn and um, why uh, this... uh, is the third of three cities that we've been in in the Baltics. And uh, so we came over here with a bell choir. Yep. And um, so uh, maybe you could just spend just a couple of minutes telling us about that. Uh, how did that come to be and oh, the, sure. the trip in general?
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So we're over here doing participating in what is called the Festival of Three. Festival of Three was started by Dr. Kevin Meidel, who's uh, my mentor and dear, dear friend of mine. And it's basically started to bring some of the very best musical ensembles from the United States and pair them with some of the very best musical ensembles in Europe, particularly in this case in the Baltic states, although we ended up in Helsinki too, which is not a Baltic state. And the Festival of Three, as you would think, is a set of three concerts that takes place in three different countries. So we started in Helsinki, um, we migrated to Latvia, and then we ended up here in Estonia in Tallinn. And we presented a concert at each of those, uh, the United States ensembles performing at each of them. And then each concert had its own local group that came together. The festival's whole idea is to bring peace and understanding, community through song against uh, you know, America and Europe. And that's, that's really the reason why we're here, is bringing our song to share with them.
0: So speaking of, of song, um, I, you know, the, the, there's been a bit of press about uh, a song that was composed by a, a, an Estonian composer, Per Usberg. Yep, yep. And, uh, and so we premiered that piece last night. Yeah, The part um, of the
1: festival's doing is every year they commission a work to be premiered sure. by yeah. a, a composer in, in one of the areas that they'll be in. So, for example, last year was Eric Eschenwald's. Uh, they did a premiere of his. I forget the name of the piece now. I remember seeing it. It was very pretty. Usberg was uh, the the premiere that we did yesterday, and they'll probably pick a different composer from a different Baltic state next time, Lithu- Lithuania probably. Sure. Okay. But so is it
0: always in the Baltics? or?
1: I think traditionally the past few have been. Okay. Um, I'm not involved with it enough to know the answer to that. That's okay. But yeah. I know uh, that I, I am I in know. the Baltic States.
0: <laughs> right now, that's where we happen to be. So we should say a little bit about uh, maybe where where we are actually sitting. So this is the uh, the hotel lobby of the hotel we're staying in yep. in uh, Tallinn, Estonia. A uh, very lovely hotel just outside the old city. Um, and, and if you're in the old city, you kind of can't get lost, because you just look up and you can see our hotel. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, but in any case, uh, I, I I'm struggling to think of the name of the hotel at the moment. I
1: don't remember either. I remember it's got a, a red logo of some kind. That's how I found my way back here from the old city. Right. Yeah. So from old town.
0: Th- there was a little bit of drama. I had I had talked to the to the um, who I thought was the the kind of hotel manager at the front desk was asking for a place to um, host the podcast and uh, and they rattled off a couple options. This being one of them. So we're just kind of in the lobby. We've got. Um, you know, the street is, is out there to, uh, to my left. And, uh, there happens to be a nice bar here. And of course this is, uh, cocktails is part of, part of the, 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 the shtick as it were. And, uh, and so perfect, you know, I've got a spot, I've got power I can set up and a bar. And so I started setting up and then I started talking to, uh, Ero again, who, um, was gracious enough to, uh to say, uh, to, to make our beverages for us. Maybe we could get away from Edo. Um, just saying hi. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Uh, but he, um, he made the drink and then he, he didn't speak much English, so he wasn't sure what was happening. And so he went, went back to talk to his manager and his manager hadn't been told anything. And so she came out. Oh, sure. And, um, and so she was asking me questions and she was very skeptical and very suspicious of what was happening. And so I tried explaining it to her and, I said, "Well, she she asked me who I talked to, and I said he's still at the desk, like right now, he's still over there," um, and uh, and so I pointed him out, and I said, "That's who I talked to." And then she walked and wandered off, and I kept setting up, and then she came back to me, and she said, "He's he said he's never seen you before." <laughs> oh, is that so?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I thought, "Oh shit," which is an absolute lie, because <laughs> I I you know was really uh... trying hard you know to to not make a scene and to just make sure everybody was comfortable with what I was up to. And, and so, um, so I sort of convinced this woman that, you know, it was going to be okay. I was not going to make a scene. It was going to be very, uh, unobtrusive. Obviously there's, there's plenty of gear here, so it, it makes a little bit of a scene, but there's other people getting drinks at the bar and having a seat, uh, nearby. Um, and so hopefully we didn't scare too many people off. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, was worried for a second I was going to get kicked out.
1: Um, then that would have been comical if I would have gotten a phone call <laughs> from our travel agency saying that one of your members has been booted out of the hotel
0: I think it helped too that I uh, that I said I'm staying here so I 'm not just using this space without having been a patron of some kind right so um, but in any case um, switching gears a little bit back to I don't know where I was going with all of that but um, you know, wanted to talk a little bit. Oh, songs. So we were talking about songs and making song, and, and so we are talking about Per Oosberg per and, yep. and his piece that he composed, but uh, Billy, you composed a piece as well. So um, maybe just tell me a little bit about that. In essence, we premiered it here as well, not, not we any real kind of press around it, um, you know, but uh, certainly, you know, you're a composer as well.
1: Yeah, I think the composition angle is born out of the same place of not being content doing the same thing. Yeah. And really being interested in the makings of music. And in terms of handbells, I compose primarily for handbells, mostly because most of the things I want to hear don't exist in a form that I would want them. So I have to write them. Interesting. Right. That's sort of how I got my start on it. I mean, I, I started to be completely honest because the bell choir director at the church that I was the choir director at, Uh retired. And I didn't want the bells to sit silent. And there's not a whole lot of great arrangements for handbells and voices that can be done in small group formats. So I had to start writing the music. Uh And that sort of kickstarted me into this writing process, particularly the piece that we took over here, A Voice Cries, was born out of... um, really born out of the soloist that we brought along, Peter Daimstra, who's a a friend of mine. I was his best man at my wedding. He'll be the best man at my wedding. And I heard him sing last summer, and I just knew that this is the voice that I needed to bring along for this particular set of concerts. And I envisioned the text, which is based from Isaiah 43, um, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I conceived it really as a chant, Gregorian chant, if you will, a monk chant and incorporating bells in three-dimensional space. So that was my idea. I knew I wanted that. Um, the direction I took to get there took forever because it started in Latin. It started with a completely different text altogether, and it's one of those things that it just took a little finagling and persistence and following the musical train of thought. But it, we originally arrived at something that I think is a really unexpected. Concert opener, you know, you expect a festival concert opener to be something brash, upbeat, maybe even so much as exciting, and Mm -hmm, this is completely mm -hmm. subdued, far off, ethereal, mystic almost. And I think that played really great into the set of music. So that's that is the thirty-second version of how that piece came to be. I heard Peter and I knew he needed to be the guy to sing it.
0: So that's interesting because um, I got the impression you and Peter have known each other for a long time. Yes. So you said you heard him sing last summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we went to high school together. We sang together. Traveled to Italy and <clears throat> performed in the Vatican together. We've done lots of musical things together. But you know, he doesn't. He's he's not a musician. You know, he's a geography expert of some variety, analytical. You know, analysis, data-driven guy. Music is not the thing that he does for a living. He's very much, I guess, in fairness to him, a very good amateur musician, right? Sure. So yeah. when I when I saw him last year and I heard him singing, and there's just a special timbre about his voice, a certain, if I could be really musical about it for a minute, there's an innocent truth about his voice. I just uh-huh. remembered writing that. Uh-huh. There's a, there's an innocent tenor timbre about his voice. Sure. Sure. That I that to me sounded like what ended up being a voice crying out in the wilderness you know once i found the text to go with it that's really what his voice said to me and that's why it, he needed to be the guy to start the concert Interesting. the first thing okay. people need to hear is him crying out
0: so that that's very intentional actually and i'm 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 kind of i got to be honest I'm, I'm a little surprised at how intentional it was um, you know, having not really known that ahead of time, I, you know, certainly you composed the piece and Peter's a friend, so invite him to sing. That makes sense. Um, but to know that the piece was actually kind of composed with him in mind, but also the idea of starting a concert, which we did, uh, and and maybe even this this event.
1: Yeah, I had this event in mind. And I I, yeah, really, if you look at the piece of music itself, it says written for Peter on it. And, I, and it's not being published for that reason. I didn't huh. write it for a publisher. No kidding. I really wrote it for him because he is the person that needs to sing it.
0: Very interesting. Well, so um, I've been recording all of our concerts out here, as you know, and uh, I actually have a rough cut of that song. Oh, and, sure. And, and so you, you haven't heard this yet. Um, so you're going to be listening to this for the first time. I'm
1: excited, though.
0: And so we're going to we're going to pull this up. And it, it, again, a rough cut. I haven't really done any editing. Uh, put, pulled together all the different tracks that I had access to.
1: This is from our Riga concert? This from is
0: from, yeah, Riga. Two nights ago?
1: Riga, Latvia, yes. Okay.
0: So I edited it. I did this on the bus. On the way from... Uh,
1: really, the bummer is, is, is that... Uh, I'll listen first. That's a very good rough cut. It's a very good rough cut.
0: Yeah, I thought not bad. I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with how that turned out. In fact, I think we had one more concert. Um, I think that's probably going to be the cut, the, the take. Mm. Um, I don't think we played it as well last night in uh, Tallinn.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. The space was different, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So so anyway, thank you for that, um, for the composition and for allowing us to to perform it. Um, it, uh, it it was um, kind of a special moment for me. I being one of the members of the bell choir, I kind of hear just what I hear, mm, mm-hmm. and I don't really get to hear the full composition. If you saw it in the video, maybe we'll put, pull some of the video in. We're spread around the church, uh, and so you you know. From where I was standing, you didn't get to hear the it all come together. And so when I first listened to it, I, I I was actually um I'll say more impressed at the 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 sort of full composition, if you will, than than before when I was just playing my little part. Right. Um and and so uh yeah,
1: very well done. Well thank you. And I think you'll probably realize My my only disappointment in it is that it was written for dipped bell at the end. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, and which is a technique that the group that we borrowed the bells from weren't comfortable with us doing over here, which is understandable. Right. But I think it adds, you know, it's all about layering, and what that last chord is, what that last note is, what's the last thing the audience member hears. I think there's something about the shimmer of a dipped bell Mm -hmm. you know so i guess that would be my only you know reserved (laughs) disappointment in it i thought peter sang it beautifully and you've probably realized that i I have a deep affinity for his voice yeah and the the range that it can cover i mean he sings high f's that are so much easier than me as a baritone voice could ever sing them right know, they just flow out of him Uh so yeah, slightly jealous of his uh, vocal abilities too, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, very. I, I, I love the way you describe. What? It, how did you like a like a like a like a pure or honest, how did you describe it earlier? Is
1: there were, there is. A, I don't honest, remember the words. Honest, it, maybe honest, innocent, innocent. There's, that's the word I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is to me. Again, it took me a while to settle on this text. I started with a completely different text, two different texts. I think I went through, but I think when I landed on a voice cries you know, the text from Isaiah and particularly that version of it, he was the voice for me. When I Uh read the text, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He's the voice. Yeah. And I added the middle section. Um, I cried out to the autumn trees where the dancing leaves could hear my plea. And that really was a take on, are a continuation of the idea that if you're the voice crying out in the wilderness, you're the loneliness of it, and the wind taking that voice and whistling it through the trees. There is a certain... Loneliness is the word I come back to. A certain loneliness about it. A certain singletary mindset about it. I cried out... To the autumn trees where the dancing leaves could hear my plea and they heard my plea in the forest of night in the forest of the lost so whether you you know it or not whether you're the person that's lost whether you're the person that's found prepare the way prepare the way the way of the lord and i knew he had to be the guy to sing it i just knew it It was it was him the whole time
0: so have you had this conversation with peter like Hey, I wrote no. this song. No. Okay. No, he
1: knows that I wrote it for him. Okay. And that's about where it stops. Okay. okay. Um, mostly because he was very terrified to do it. <laughs> he didn't think <laughs> he was up to the task. And I kept telling him every time yeah, I talked yeah. to him on the phone, like, no, you know, because he lives in Michigan. <laughs> he lives 500 miles away from me. He couldn't rehearse with us at all. He, right. I right. basically sent him the PDF and said, okay, here's a recording of me doing it. Now you have to do it. Right. Um, so he was terrified the whole time. You know, Could he do it? Could he not do it? And I, Every time I talked to him, like, you got this, you can do it. I believe in you. This will work out. So uh, it took a little prompting and I didn't want to didn't want to wait him down with all the rest of it, just show sure. up and sing it and it will be everything it needs to be.
0: Yeah. So I, I got to make one comment and then and then I, I need to kind of move to close this up. But um, so I'm sure he was not just terrified ahead of time, but terrified the moment of and maybe even during mm. Uh, And part of the reason I say that is because I felt that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a career musician, but I've been around. I've played a lot of performances in a lot of places. And you you come all the way to Europe, to the Baltics, and then you perform at these just amazing locations and these old churches. And in each city, we've had slightly different ensembles who were amazing in their own right every one of them and you think i don't know if i'm good enough like am i good enough to compete or not compete so much as to just do justice yeah to these other great entertainers musicians and and so um that thought went through my mind i didn't have a solo (laughs) peter had to be pissing his pants (laughs)
1: You know, I'm sure he was, and I know he was leading up to getting on the airplane, too. He was like, no, you're going to get on this airplane. It's going to be okay. Once you get on the airplane, everything's going to be better. Like, once you're there and doing it. Yeah, I remember that he, he was very stressed about it. But, you know, it isn't necessarily, for me, about musical perfection. Because you can play all the notes perfectly. That's fantastic, whatever, fine. Really, for me, what it's about, and the directors and I were talking about this last night after the concert, it isn't so much that you've got every note right, It's the feeling that you brought to it. It's the feeling that's valuable. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling and the look on your face, the expression by which you use your instrument, whether that's vocal or bells. That is the thing that draws the audience in. Yeah. We heard some very incredible choirs over the past week. We did. And some of them, you could tell, didn't want it. And they may have been musically perfect, but they were way too busy being machines than they were being musical creatures. So... And I think that's the key difference.
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting observation. Uh, do you think it's the youth? So some of these choirs were were youth.
1: Um, some of them were, yeah. I I think you could draw distinctions. Um, so maybe but, a lack of appreciation with the music that they
0: were there, you know, sort of going through the motions.
1: I think the culture is very different over here. Okay, actually, I, I don't think it. I know it's different over here. Music making over here is such a innate part of the human experience and the the manner in which a rehearsal is led is very different there isn't the idea like you in, in america where it's a singleistic about me it is very much a we mentality and their whole goal is to have high level music making and high level music making does include perfection yeah. like getting all the notes and rhythms making those phrases shaping those things the way that they need to be That is a very important thing because there are so many high-level ensembles over here, many more than you would find over in the States. Yeah. So I think that when that is your modus operandi, I think that sometimes when you're taught from a young age, school-age child, to be a music-making machine, sometimes you can lose a little bit of that... Hey, you know what? We're we're people here making music and there's there's just a, a different that, essence about yeah, it. And it's that. a very in my observations, it is very much a distinction between European ensembles and American ensembles on yeah. some foundational level. Sure.
0: Yeah. I you know, I, I don't know that I share the observation in hindsight. Well, in in the moment, but because I was just so impressed at the, the level of perfection, frankly. Yeah. Yep. Um and uh but you know, in in hindsight. Um, I think I can appreciate what you're, what you're saying. So, well, anyway, I um, my next guest is waiting
1: in the wings. I know. I'm excited for you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and so uh, I wanna I wanna move to wrap us up, but uh, uh, I'll make one comment. Um, if you could hold your your drink up to the to the camera. This your, way your, Yours is over here.
1: This direction. Yeah. Um.
0: So, uh, there there is mine. There is oh, over just a little bit. Um. Well, you can see it enough, but. The point I'm making here is that uh, mine is nearly gone. Billy has quite a bit left. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that might be a critique on on the beverage or if I just kept you talking too much.
1: I, I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was.
0: I kept you talking. So would you drink it again?
1: I mean, if I were to go to the local um, distillery at my local, you know, town and i were to order a conductor's mind i'm not sure i would <laughs> <I'm not laughs>
0: but if you maybe if i invited you over and I oh sure that, mix yeah, one up yeah, that'd it, be great. yeah yeah all right well so uh last thing uh, i always like to close with um is there a piece of wisdom advice if someone is maybe a younger version of yourself or someone kind of considering a career path to follow that passion for music uh, maybe even as a music educator, what, what would you tell them? Or what would you tell your, young, your, your, your younger self?
1: Yeah, I think I'd tell my younger self, uh, keep going because it works out. And I think I would tell the person that doesn't know, keep going because it will work out. Because if you want it bad enough, it'll happen. And particularly in music, nobody considers a career in music. You Can't do it. You can't make a living as a musician. Everybody will tell you that. Um, However, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to live that dream. Yeah. So you might as well be the person to do it. And it won't be easy. And you'll want to not because it will be easier to not. But if you just keep going and you keep studying and you keep your mind down and you just keep going... It, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah, it's not as far away as people think it is.
0: Yeah, I love it. That's that's a great inspiration. Um, and uh, yeah, one. I'm kind of thinking back in my own life. Uh, I, I took the path of starting out in music and then steered away from music to pay the bills, if you will.
1: Well, here's the truth, Phil. You know, if you go off to college and you get a music degree. And you spend, let's say, $40,000 and you pay $300 a month or so in your student loans. You've paid $300 a month to live the life that you want to live. To me, that's an entrance fee. Sure. My membership fee to living the life that I want to live is only $300 a month. Sign me up. Sign me up every day. I'll pay $300 a month to live the life that I want to live.
0: That's a great perspective. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's great. Well, Billy... um, Thanks for, for being a guest. Thanks for being part of this experiment um, and uh, being gracious to do that. You know, here on our our uh, trip abroad, and you know, taking a little bit of time out of the uh, the, the little bit of uh, sightseeing time that we had to, to spend time with me. So, well, thank thanks for, for
1: coming all the way to Estonia to do it with me.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, um, and uh, thank you for that. I um, was happy to do it. Honored to do it. So, all right. With that, we're going to sign off. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Oh, hey, one more thing. We'd love it if you followed us on social. Amperatif on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Pinterest. And Amperatif Podcast on Instagram.